we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. What I hate, that's what I do. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law, it is good. Now it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to do it, I can't find a way at all how to do it. For the good that I would, I don't do. And the evil which I don't want to do, that's what I do. Now, if I do that, I would not. It is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. So then I find a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind, and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, with my mind, I serve the law of God. With the flesh, the law of sin. Our name, the unchanging word, reflects the fact that the eternal word of God is never changed and never will. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Life begins at Calvary, there my Savior died. He took my place and by His grace came with me to abide. All I need for living is mine by just believing. Life begins at Calvary, life that never ends. Welcome to the Unchanging Word. We are studying in Romans chapter 7, verses 14 through 25 today. And in these verses, the Apostle Paul writes how he struggled with opposing laws waging war within him. He saw a law in the members of his body waging war against the law of his mind. He found out that there was an evil in his flesh called sin, although he himself delighted in the law of God in the inward man. This struggle was such that he cried out to God with hope, Who will deliver me from this body of death? Dear friend, do you find yourself in this struggle today? There is hope, and thanks be to God, it is through Jesus Christ our Lord. Well, Dr. Mitchell points out some lessons we learned from this passage. We learned that sin was dwelling in his body and that he was powerless in himself to do anything about it. And also we learn that the sinful self is not the real self. The real self wants God and delights in his word. Well, here is Dr. Mitchell, Romans chapter 7, verse 15. Thank you. Good day, friends. Again, it is our great joy and delight to come to you. I sincerely hope that you folks who are following along with us in our study of the book of Romans I begin to catch an inkling of what the Apostle Paul is giving to us by the Spirit in these chapters 5, 6, and 7. God's way, God's way of sanctifying his people. And we've been dealing in chapter 7, especially in the first 13, 14 verses, this matter of the law of God. And I know that I'm treading on grounds that Possibly with some of you, it may be a new thought. 
or maybe you have been brought up so that you must, you feel you must keep the laws and rule of life. And as I spoke in our last lesson of the fact that the law, there are some things the law can't do. In fact, all the law can do is to curse, make sin exceeding sinful. And through the death of the Lord Jesus Christ, we were not only delivered from Adam's race, you see, amen to that, and not only delivered from sin as a master in our lives in chapter 6, see, amen to that. But when it comes to this question of the law, some people, some Christians balk on this matter. Let me say this. As far as the law is concerned, with respect to the believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, the relationship to the law has been severed once for all for us. It's been canceled. It's been abolished. All claims are gone for the believer. All connections with it have been terminated. We have been severed from the law through the death of Jesus Christ. You know, it's like uh, some people are trying to live uh, with the old husband and you've got a new one. One's dead and the other's alive. I remember that little story told by Mr. Moody. In a meeting he said, do you know of anyone who was perfect? And a lady put her hand up. She said, yes. My, my wife's first, man put his hand up, pardon me, my wife's first husband. She, he happened to be the second husband. First husband was dead, but the wife, his present wife was still living in the history and the memory of the old, of the first husband who was dead. And of course, as time went on, he was the perfect one. No, there was only one who ever kept the law, and that was the Lord Jesus Christ. But it's an amazing thing. We've been joined to the risen Christ, and we're trying to keep up with the old husband, the law. Now, there's nothing wrong with the law. It's holy, just, and good. I don't want to go over all those things again. Now, when we come here, it's a question. He's not concerned with pardon. He's not concerned with the question of being saved. That's already settled. But the, he's dealing with the fact of deliverance from indwelling sin. In chapter 6, we try to do it one way or another by keeping sin down. But here in chapter 7, he tried to do it by keeping the law. And the more he tried, the more he failed. And I want to get this thing very clear. The death of Christ has severed the relationship between you and the law. The law is not sinful. But the law wrecked in me all manner of lust. And I'm the fellow that's wrong, not the law. Without the law, sin was dead. Sin was dormant. And the old master sin woke up when the law came. Now let's go down to the to the last part of the chapter, from verses 14 to 25. In verses 12 and 13, you have where Paul vindicates the law. It's just, it's holy, it's God. It's spiritual, it came from God, but it cannot deliver. Only get this to your mind. Nothing wrong with the law. I don't throw the law out as being no good. But the law's demands I cannot meet, neither can you, neither can anybody else. It was given not to save, not to help you be good, but it demands these things. As a Christian, we're joined to a risen Christ. We have a new life. 
We have new motives. We have new prospects. We have new hopes. See? Now, in verses 14 to 25, he takes up the fact that the law cannot deliver. Now, for those of you who have not been listening in, in the first six verses, we have the principle of deliverance from law, which is death. Then 7 to 13, what the law did, it made sin exceeding sinful. Now, in verses 14 to 25, the law cannot deliver. And here we have a person who is, in his experience, is trying to get delivered from sin in his life, and you've got a real conflict. The law prescribes a holy walk, but it gives no power to do it. And here is the exercise of a quickened soul desiring to be holy, and he can be. He wants to please God, and the more he tries to please God, the more he fails. And here you've got a conflict. Someone has said that this chapter is the conflict of two natures. The old nature, which will not be good. The old nature is unable to overcome sin in the flesh. In fact, he says here, I am carnal, I am sold under sin. Verse 14, for we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. Nothing wrong with the law that troubles with me. Now, let me read these verses to you. I think I ought to take the time to read them. Verse 15, For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. What I hate, that's what I do. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law, it is good. That is, I wanted to keep the law, but I couldn't do it. Now it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For the will is present with me. I want to do the right thing. But how to do it, I can't find a way at all how to do it. For the good that I would, I don't do. And the evil which I don't want to do, that's what I do. Now, if I do that, I would not. It is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. So then I find a law, that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. That is, in my heart, I really want to please God. I really want to please God. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind, and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. O wretched man that I am! Who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, with my mind, I want to, I serve the law of God. With the flesh, the law of sin. Now let me come down to it. I am carnal, sold under sin. If I were to take the scriptures and go back to Corinthians chapters 2 and 3, I would point out in chapter 2, 14, we have the natural man, the unsaved man, the unregenerate man who understands not the things of the Spirit of God. And then in verse 15, we have the spiritual man. For I read, he that is spiritual discerneth all things, yet he himself is judge of no man. And then in chapter 3, the first four verses, we have the carnal man, the carnal man. 
who should, that is the Christian who should groan is not growing. He lives like the unsaved sometimes. He lives in divisions. He fights them. They fight among themselves. This is the, uh, the carnal man is the Christian living, living in the flesh. Now in this chapter, I say it again, here is the exercise of a man who loves the Lord. He wants to be holy. He wants to please God. But he finds that the more he tries, he finds his inability to do it. So he learns something, that he wants to please God. The natural man, the carnal man, I am carnal, sold unto sin, a slave. Now the carnal man is the undelivered believer from indwelling sin. I've just been talking about it here in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, the first four verses. The carnal man is the Christian who has not experienced deliverance from the power of sin in his life. And Paul here said, it's sin, I find a law that I want to please God, but there is sin dwelling in me. I have a body. In fact, he could say here, in my flesh there dwelleth no good thing. My body is full of lusts and desires. Oh, how I want to please God, says the Christian. And the more I seek to please God, the more I fail him. Am I really saved? Yes, yes. Thank God you're not saved by what you do or don't do. You're saved by trusting the Savior. But the more, the more you read the Word of God, the more you want to please God. And the danger is you try to please God in the energy of the flesh, and you fail to realize that, that in your flesh dwelleth no good thing. God has no confidence in the flesh, neither yours nor mine. And Paul found that out. Can I repeat that? God has no confidence in anybody's flesh, yours or mine. And Paul, speaking here, I believe of a personal experience, he wants to please God in the flesh, and he finds he can't make the flesh behave. A certain desire is there, and he can't can get deliverance. In fact, he speaks of it here. Uh, o wretched man, who shall deliver me from the body of this flesh? It's a cry for help. It's a cry for a deliverer. How can I be freed from this thing? Help must come from the outside. Do you know what he says here? He says, it's just like, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Someone has said that the apostle Paul has in mind here uh, the experience of a criminal in Rome. It is said that uh, if a criminal, that is, a prisoner in Rome, in jail, doesn't behave himself, if he's pretty bad, sometimes they will take the body of a dead prisoner, some prisoner who has died, and take that body and tie it to the back of another prisoner who doesn't behave himself. And wherever he goes, he carries this body of flesh with him. This, uh, this stench and this corrupt body is with him. Wherever he goes, he carries it with him. And he cries out, who shall deliver me from this body of death? This is the cry that Paul says here. Here I'm living in a body that's full of desire. And listen, friend, I'm repeating this. It's so easy for us to take the law and use it as a club, either on ourselves or somebody else. When I want to do the right thing, I do the bad thing. 
When I want to leave a thing alone, I do it. Like the man who says, I can take it or leave it. Well, I know what you're going to do. You're going to take it. And sometimes you begin to wonder, is there any, any deliverance from indwelling sin? Is there any way I can keep my body from doing the things that it does? And let's be realistic about it. Don't try and say, well, I'm holy and I don't sin. I don't believe you. I just don't believe you. If you don't sin in action, you're singing, you're singing thoughts and in words and deeds, all of us, more or less degree. Of course, you can see the, the badness in the other fellow, but, and he sees the badness in you. So you criticize each other when you're both bad. Amazing thing how quick we are to judge weakness and frailty and failure in some other Christian. And the world is very quick, of course, to judge that. So there's a yearning in my heart. And I try to make my body behave itself. I try to keep it the lusts down. And I try the law of God. The law says, don't you do it. And I do do it. And the law said, you must die. It's a body of death. Who shall deliver me? I say, the deliverance must come from the outside. So the last verse says, uh, let me read 24. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God. But with the flesh, the law of sin. See, learn something. He learned that sin, can I be brief and say this? He learned that sin was dwelling in his body. And he was powerless against it. Isn't that your experience, friend? And he learned something else. That the sinful self was not the real self. The real self wanted God. The new man panted after God. The old man panted after sin. And then he learned the third thing. That deliverance was found in one place in Jesus Christ. See, the channel and cause of our deliverance is found only in one place. That is Jesus Christ. So, not the law, but the risen Christ himself is the rule for the believer. That's why when we come to chapter 8, it's full of the Spirit of God. Did you notice in chapter 7, there's no mention made, I believe, of the Spirit of God. Here's a man trying to be holy and good without the power of the Holy Spirit. He's trying by his own strength to conquer frailty and weakness and failure in his life. He wants to please God and finds he can't do it. He's trying by himself. As the old saying is, he's trying to lift himself up by his bootstraps. But he learned something. He learned that sin was in his members. He learned that he was powerless against it. He learned that he had a new life which panted after God, even though sin was in his members. Then he learned there was only one who could deliver him, and that was Jesus Christ, the risen Son of God. It's sometimes the Lord has to get us right down into failure and to the bottom of things before we really trust him. As I've oftentimes said, it's an amazing thing we will trust God for our eternal souls, but all to trust him the next 24 hours with our daily walk in life. My friend, may I say, if you're a discouraged Christian and you've tried to live for God and you fail failed God, 
There is a place of deliverance. When we come to the next chapter, chapter 8, in Christ Jesus, you'll find it's full of the Spirit of God. Now in chapter 7, it was I, me, and mine. What I can do and what I hope to do and what I try to do. And all the answer is, is failure. When we come to chapter 8, it's no longer I, but Christ. You know, we used to say this little, this little poem. I don't know where I got it. But read something like this. Under the law with its terrible lash, learning alas how true, that the more I tried, the sooner I died, while the law cried, you, you, you. Hopelessly still did the battle rage, O wretched man, my cry, and deliverance I sought by some penance bought, while my soul cried, I, I, I. Then came a day when my struggling ceased, and trembling in every limb at the foot of the tree, where one died for me, I sobbed out, Him, Him, Him. I think it was Dr. Lewis Perry Chafer who used to sing this song. I do not know whether it was his song or not, but I remember him singing this song. And the first verse reads of the fact it was all of self and none of him. The second verse was most of self and a little of him. The third verse was some of self and some of him. And the last verse was, none of self, but all of him. Isn't that true? Isn't that true? Oh, when we just stop our deadly doing and just trust Jesus. Friend, Christian friend, are you struggling? Are you discouraged? You've tried to live for God and your life has been full of failure, weakness, weakness and failure. Listen, friend. Just turn the whole business over to the Savior. You cry like David, who shall deliver me? I thank my God through Jesus Christ. Or as Paul could say in chapter 8, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Now may the Lord wonderfully, wonderfully make it real to you. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful place, face. And the things on earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Isn't it wonderful to have a Savior who not only saves us from the penalty and guilt of sin, but a Savior who can deliver you and me daily from the power of sin and from the curse of a broken law. God bless you today for his name's sake. Oh, soul, are you weary and troubled? No light in the darkness you there's light for a look at the Savior, and life more abundant and free. Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the of his glory.
Thank you for listening to the Unchanging Word Bible Study today. And so until next time, this is the Unchanging Word Bible Broadcast. Life begins at Calvary.